Hi, I'm Lucas Mack. I'm a former TV reporter, a published author, TEDx speaker, musician, advertising agency owner, and management consultant. I'm also a former Christian preacher who dedicated 15 years of my life searching for truth and love. I've done a lot of work to heal, and I'm on a mission to see the hurting get healed and the healed go out and heal others in order for all of us to experience the true love and light we desire. This podcast is me sharing my journey with you so you don't feel alone in your journey. Welcome to the Golden Rule Revolution. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Golden Rule Revolution. I am Lucas Mack, your host. Thank you. Thank you, brothers and sisters, for coming along this journey with me. Last night, I got such a kind message. It got me choked up. Thank you. Thank you for replying. Thank you for letting me know that these messages, these guests that I'm bringing on and just the overall sense that you are unconditionally and infinitely loved is blessing you. And it is the truth because it is creating an experience within you. Therefore, no one can argue anything else. Remember, one of my favorite quotes is from A.W. Tozer, who said, a man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. Your experience can never be argued away. Just remember that. And we are entering this time right now where people are experiencing fear and people are experiencing love. And I did a podcast. It's going to come out this coming um, in a few days with Chris O'Brien, part two. And we talk about the infinity point, the zero point that we're at, the merging of time and I'm excited to bring you that. But before we get to that episode, today what I wanted to talk about, which I mentioned on the last podcast, is religion and what's happening. Why are people so confused right now when it comes down to a very simple concept, the sovereignty of the individual? Just a very simple concept, the sovereignty of the individual. I believe a lot of it has to do with religion, specifically, and not to indict. I want you to understand this is not to indict, this is not to attack, but I want to give you context. I wrote my book. I, I wrote a book uh, back in 2014 titled, Everyone Has a Plan Until They Get Punched in the Face, How to Develop Your Story and Achieve Your Dreams. And in the book, I said, content without context is a very dangerous thing. Content without context is a very dangerous thing. The only question, so there are five questions in a story. Who, what, when, where, why? All five questions must be answered in order to tell a full story. Just like if you were going to go plant a seed expecting for it to produce some fruit or some plant, if you split just a little bit of that seed off, just sliced a little bit of it and planted it, it wouldn't produce what you were expecting. In fact, it wouldn't produce anything at all. 
And it's the exact same thing with a story. If you don't answer all five stories, you don't have a story. And I, coming from journalism, being a TV reporter, being coming from news, not the news of today, but the news of the time I was in or my perspective, story was a synonym for truth. So if you know the truth, it will make you free. And if you know your story, it will make you free. So the five questions of a story, who, what, when, where, and why. The only question in a story that provides context to the content is the question, why? Now think of this. Children are accustomed, are created, are designed. We were all designed to ask the question, why? 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 But as adults, that desire to know context was snuffed out early on, either by parents, teachers, society, or our own forgetting. We forgot to ask why. Why is this happening? Why are they saying this? Why, why for all things? Why, why ask why? I mean, why is the only question that provides context to the content? Who, what, when, where are questions of facts and they engage the mind. And most people live in their mind right now. And fear resides in the mind. And where fear resides, it controls the body. So who, what, when, where, who, what, when, where are only questions that engage the mind. The only question that touches a heart, that engages a heart, that frees and liberates a heart is the question, why? That's why dropping down from our minds back into our hearts and asking why is so important because we must get context to the content. Politics, religion, athletics, professional sports, Hollywood, the music industry, they are all the same thing. They are forms of of keeping you in your mind. For instance, without context, you cannot be sovereign because you can't step out and detach from the current, the flow. And you feel the current right now, the current of fear, or you go into a store without a mask and you feel everyone, just that current. There is a current, there are flows, there are rivers that we sometimes unknowingly jump into and sometimes we're already in. But the only way to get out of those flows and out of those currents that we don't want to be in is to detach and ask, why is this happening right now? Politics gives you something to hope for that you have no control over. Who gets elected? who gets nominated, uh, what bill gets passed. And most of the time, we don't even know the legislation or the bills that are passed. In fact, I would say probably 99.9% of all people specifically here in the United States, and I would say all around the world, don't know the bills and the laws that get passed. It just happens. We have no idea of what's happening. Well, it's the same in religion. We don't know what the pastors are doing. In fact, I would say that most 
evangelical Christians don't even know who are the founder of the denominations that they go to on Sundays. And then the non-denominational narrative, which has become popular, it's become this virtue of not being in a denomination. You don't even know who started the non-denominational movement, why it was started. So all this swirling narrative of people putting their hope and trust and faith in things they do not have control over or have never asked the question why about, all these things take away our sovereignty. And what's very important right now is for every human being to reclaim their sovereignty. Sovereign, meaning rule under none. There's no rule over you. You rule over none. You as an individual are sovereign to yourself. And the reason why this is important is because we can't fully know the infinite and unconditional love of God until we really understand our sovereignty. And specifically, I'm going to talk to my Christian uh, brothers and sisters out there. If you're made in the image of God, God is sovereign. Is he not? You're told by religion that man sinned and the curse of that sin passed upon all mankind and you are a sinner and there's, it's only by the blood of Jesus or it's only by the grace of God that you are saved. But the word grace means something given that you do not deserve. Mercy means something withheld that you do deserve. These words have very important meanings. And without taking the time to catch them, look at them and say, what does this mean? We find ourselves in a current. And an individual who is in a current is not sovereign. So we, God made us in his image and God is love, says that in 1 John. God is light, says that in 1 John. And in Hebrews it says, and we know our God is a consuming fire. And fire is the only thing that can consume and emit at the exact same time. It consumes anything you will give it and it emits light, heat, Fire is incredible. Fire is love. Fire is light. But, but light and love is also water. And that's why water is so symbolic throughout scripture, be it Genesis 1 all the way through to Revelation chapter 22, because even in Genesis 1-2, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. God moves on the waters to reflect it back. And when God says, let there be light, there was light. I ask people all the time, who is God talking to? And why did he say let? Allow. Allow there to be light. And there was light. Who is he talking to? These are good questions. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And Genesis 1-3 says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw the light that it was good. Now, if he sees something that is good, which is light, 
What is the opposite of good? Bad. So darkness in the context of this scripture is bad. And people say, well, night is darkness. Night is never dark. Going into a cave without any form of light is dark. But night is never dark. There are stars, the moon to rule by night, the sun to rule by day. There's always light to some degree. So these are questions that one must ask. And yet, when it comes to human sovereignty, I want all of you, whether you're religious or not religious, whether talking about scripture resonates with you or not, I want you to reclaim your sovereignty. If you are made in the image of God, whether you come at it from a spiritual, non-religious perspective that we're all part of the divine, which we are, our soul in Hebrew, which means neshama, the breath of God, says in Genesis 1, I don't know, 26, no, I don't know, 2.16, Genesis 2.16 or something like that. And God breathed into man and man became a living soul. God breathed into man and man became a living soul. That our soul is of the breath of God. So we have, you can have the spiritual side of the divinity that we all are part of the divine, neshama um, or namaste, meaning the divine spark in me honors the divine spark in you, meaning we're all part of this divine nature, this divine, sovereign, glorious divinity. Or you can look at it from a religious perspective and say, yes, our soul is part of God. Our soul returns back to God. We are made in his image. And you can take it from the Christian orthodoxy of mind, body, spirit, father, son, holy ghost. However you look at it, we are all part of the divine. We are all sovereign, glorious beings to bring light and love onto this earth plane. Why we experience darkness or why we experience contrast is to fall in love again with love, to fall in love, in love again with light. However, we're seeing ourselves right now in, in society where people are so afraid, they're in darkness and they're holding on to any last vestige of feeling of security. Just like a child holds on to a lovey or a baby sucks a pacifier, people are holding on to these things to try to soothe them and they're hoping in things that they cannot control. Who will be elected? Who will be nominated? What will happen? And that always is the game. Just like religion and politics, why I said they're the same is because it gives you hope outside of yourself. And hope outside of yourself always leads to depression, fear, and a lot of other terrible things when you play those out. And this is the time right now for sovereign beings to reclaim love and light within. Within. Let no man deceive you. You are responsible for you. You are not responsible for anyone else. Just you. You can influence you can create space for even children, even my own children. I can't, I'm not responsible for them in the material world. Yes. Spiritual world. I am responsible for myself to create space for them to feel love and light. 
to ask questions, to not feel afraid. But their path, their journey is their journey. And I can't control because the minute I try to control, that's coming from fear. It's just like putting your faith and hope in something outside yourself. Politics, religions, Hollywood, movies, films, anything that takes us away from being within. I hope this is, I hope this is making sense because I think this is an incredibly important <clears throat> message. The King James Bible is written in 1611. Never was called the King James Bible. King James, the first Protestant king, the first king to unite the United Kingdom, the first anti-Roman king, truly a Protestant anti-Roman, created this Bible with four groups of seven men, the most prolific minds in the entire world that spoke fluently multiple languages, Greek, Hebrew, Latin, English, um, all these different texts. They could speak it and write it fluently. There are four groups of seven translators. They never communicated to each other. And I think over the span of seven years, they all took all the Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic and all the papyrus texts. They took all these texts. They, tran they translated it into English. And then at the end, they compared what they all came up with. And then they came out with the authorized version, which was written for 11-year-olds, which is so crazy to think about. If you've ever cracked open the King James Bible today, that book was written for 11-year-olds. It was written in a fifth grade reading level, which I hope causes some humility and, and moments of pause when we think how great we are and how lofty we are and how egocentric we've become. And we lack humility to say, wow. What, what, what is the wisdom of the past that I can learn? Wow, I keep being told to look in the future, the future, technology, future, 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 future. Whoa, what was in the past? So this was written in a fifth grade reading level. And you have 1611, it comes out, it's called the authorized version. Not until King James was dead did they call it the King James Bible. And you have 1611 to 1711, a lot of, lots happening around the world. You have 1711 to 1811, a lot's happening around the world. The United States has already been independent for a few years. In one more year, the War of 1812, where, where Great Britain will try to reclaim the United States will take place. But you have 200 years of a lot happening around the world. In 1806, slavery was abolished in the British Empire. We have 60 more years uh, for it to um, be abolished in the United States, but a lot's happening. You have 1811 all the way to 1881 the revised version comes out the revised version was done by a group of people led by two men Westcott and Hort who led the translation board and it was done in secret and when it came out it changed the course of history and I'm going to bring it all back to sovereignty. Little things were changed. Little words were changed. Now, you don't have to be religious to know that religion, whether you are agnostic, atheistic, spiritual, have no religious affiliation, this is, applies to you as well because religion is as powerful as politics. In fact, they cannot exist without one another. So, as politics is so profound in your life, so is religion, even though you don't focus on it. 
Okay. It is incredibly powerful because Rome, Daniel, the book of Daniel, Daniel, this prophet has a, a prophecy of the four kingdoms and this statue and the head of gold, the, the shoulders and breasts of something, um, the waist of, uh, I think bronze or gold, breastplate of bronze, uh, waist of, um, iron and then feet of iron and clay. So we are in Rome, the feet of iron and clay are the Roman system that we're still in. Anyway, stay with me, stay with me. So at one time, people actually believed in their own sovereignty. That's what created the American Revolution. And then the French Revolution was inspired by the American Revolution, but these were not the same. And here's why. The American Revolution was equal justice under the law. Now, people can attack, well, there are these people, these people, these people. Change does not happen overnight. But the narrative, the rhetoric, the banner must be put forth of all men are created equal and are, all men are, uh, are equal under the law. The French Revolution said, equality for all but there was no universal truth above them so it became relative that's why there were three french revolutions rosper got beheaded who was the leader of the first french revolution where it gets to the movie uh les miserables which is the third french revolution until napoleon the strong man comes it puts an end to the revolutions a lot is happening in the world at this time but equal justice under the law sovereignty meaning another cannot claim any greater right than you when we go to the universal truth of the law. And what's the universal truth? That we are all made in the image of God, sovereign divine beings. Forget law of the, the legal system. I just mean the universal law, the law of free will, that no one's free will supersedes your free will for you. And neither does your free will supersede their free will for them. That's the greatest universal law. The law of love, the law of love that gives everyone exactly what they want. Love gives you, God gives you exactly what you want. Here, here's how it works. For many people who are in fear, they have a hard time with saying, declaring declarative statements like I am that I am. And when I say it, it is. So for instance, we all have hopes and dreams. But for people who are in fear, they use the word if. It's like, if this happens, um, that will be great. If this happens, that would be awesome. But a person that stands in sovereignty says, when this happens, I can't wait to do the next thing. When this happens, not if. See, when you say if, when you create space or gap or, or a little wiggle room, God says, yeah, it will be great. And he just waits. And then people in fear get angry, like, why aren't these good things happening? Why, aren't, why, why am I not living the life that I want? And God says, well, I love you. And I keep giving you exactly what you want. You say if, yeah, I agree. If, if you did that, that would be great. But when you align and say, when this happens, like what success looks like for my life, when this happens, God says, yes, boom. And he will give you exactly what you want. So getting back to, what was happening in 1881 in this text 
there was a narrative around the world that liberated souls of mankind around the world. For the first time, people got away from the monarchies, <clears throat> the, the totalitarian systems, and people could oh, breathe their own air, live their own lives. In fact, Benjamin Franklin was the first one to invent, come up with the concept of the patent for the individual that when you as an individual created something that did not exist prior, whether it's a better something or something new, you own that. But be, prior to Benjamin Franklin and the American Revolution, the patent did not exist. And anyone who invented something new or made something better, it belonged to the Lord or the King. So just think of that. Why would anyone try to innovate when there is when there is kingships and lordships and serfs and all these different layers of humanity. It wasn't until this narrative that all men were created equal and all men are equal under the law that people are like, oh, that's incredible and patents and all these great things came forth. But in 1881, the counter narrative started to come in and it came with a smile. It came with marketing. It came with a lot of pomp and circumstance. And what it said is, well, that's too, that's too hard. Those, those words are obsolete. Those, let's, it's too hard. Let's change it up. And little things started to take place. For instance, John 14, 6 in the King James Bible says, I am the way, the truth, the life. Now the I am is is Jesus saying, no, he's declaring as a model, you'll see in a second, of how you get to declare for you, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father back from our source except by me. See, in the King James Bible, it taught you emulate Jesus. You do it. In fact, no one will deny because all the scriptures say the same thing. Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. You take up yours. He took up his to show you as a model. But in 1881, something happened. It said, John 14, 6, they're crafty. This is crafty narrative. This is why lawyers are so magicians when it comes to narrative. There's good ones and there's bad ones. Because in 1881, it came out and said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father, but through me. All of a sudden, abdicating sovereignty, idolizing one man over all men. And the narrative started to change. Started to change. And another example is Revelation 1.6. In the King James Bible says, And he has made us kings and priests unto God, his father. Kings and priests. Does anyone rule over a king? Is any authority in the religious or spiritual system greater than a priest? No. Love has made you sovereign. Because Yeshua, not Jesus, Yeshua means salvation, which means in love. When you are in love, you are in salvation. Salvation is being in the presence of love, walking in the presence of love, coming, going back to source. Christ, which means Messiah, Mashiach, means anointed one to deliver, the deliverer, to bring freedom. So being in love, Yeshua, Mashiach, means to be in love brings freedom. So being in love and freedom makes us kings and priests unto God, who is love 
and brings freedom, meaning we are sovereign in God. But in 1881, some words changed. In 1881, it said, and he has made us a royal priesthood unto God his Father. A royal priesthood is not a king and priest. A priesthood is subject to the high priest and is not a royal priesthood means they serve a king. But no way does it mean they are kings themselves. So the narrative changed from, and he has made us kings and priests. <laughs> the narrative went from, and he has made us kings and priests to, he has made us a royal priesthood, subjugating our sovereignty. And when, if you don't think these matter, if you these little changes, you're like, ah, no big deal. And you don't have to be religious. I'm just trying to show an example of religion stripping away constantly, buffeting up against your own human sovereignty. And this is the time to reclaim in love. We are moving into the age of love. We are moving into the age of Mashiach, the age of freedom, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. We are moving into this time. Nothing can stop this time. If I give you a perfect, pure, crystalline, like pure glass of water, and I put just a drop of blue food coloring or a drop of urine or a drop of poison, but this is a huge, beautiful glass of water. Would you drink it? And if you answered, maybe not with the poison, but with the urine, if you're thirsty or blue, blue food coloring, maybe you would drink it if you're really thirsty, which I think a lot of people are thirsty and they are drinking these things. But here's another question. Is it still pure? Is it still clean? No. Now, getting back to the stories and the five questions that make a story, why are there two differences? Why are there contrasts? Why does this exist? Why do people say, if you want to know the truth, come to me? as opposed to living the truth of freedom and saying, hey, you can be free. You can be free. You can be free. You know how you can be free? In love, to heal what you are most afraid of, to go and look inside you, to go back in those memories. And when you were cowered down, hunkered down, scared, hurt, alone, rejected, to speak love and life and light to that little child that you once were. That is freedom. That is liberty. And that is courage. So you can ask these questions, why? This is the time of questioning. Question everything. Question what I'm saying. Go look it up. Verify what I'm saying. Question everything. Because your sovereignty, your healing, you walking in freedom in love, in light, in truth, in honor, in goodness, in beauty, matters more than anything else. Anything who gets elected, what nomination takes place, what society is allowed to do as a collective or not allowed to do, what sports team wins, what, what musician gets awards, all these false ridiculous things that strip you and distract you away from going back inside and saying, 
I have more to heal. I have more to go. I've been stuffing in a lot of things that an external pressure has made me keep it in. But my internal pressure is rising right now. And I will utter out of my mouth that which I wish I always could have said. Say what you always wish you could have said. Nice is not a virtue. Being nice is not a virtue. Compliance is not a virtue. Sovereignty is a virtue. Love is a virtue. Freedom is a virtue. Goodness is a virtue. Kindness is a virtue. But cowardice is not a virtue. Compliance is not a virtue. Stuffing in your feelings and grinding it out every day and and sucking it up or living in confusion is not a virtue. The Bible says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. It also says knowledge shall increase in the last days. It says in Revelation that to come out of the great horror of Babylon. Well, if you go to every denomination in the world, every church, they're all the same form and function. A pontificator and pews. Consuming one man or one woman's narrative to all which is the complete antithesis of sovereignty. And you may say, well, I like to go and be fed. Great. You're fed whatever then they feed you, but you're not sovereign. That's why the news, religion, politics, media, sports, Hollywood, they just, they'll keep feeding you. They'll feed you until you finally wake up and say, I don't feel well. I feel fear still. I feel confused still. I don't feel unconditional love. I feel controlled. I feel if I question, I'll be shunned and kicked out. If I want truth, I'll be intimidated to keep silent. And I want to leave and end with this story today. Really beautiful friend of mine, mentor of mine, someone that I I love dearly and has been a huge influence in my life, grew up in a home where his parents took in foster kids. And this guy is a really, what I would say is a really beautiful Christian, really just beautiful soul. And they would take in foster kids. And after the first foster child that they took in, he said, my parents knew at about 12 to 15 months, all hell would break loose. They would, they would, at first they, they were thankful they got things and they got food and they, they were safe and they were in a beautiful home and all these things. But 12 to 15 months, all hell would break loose. And they, what they were doing, he said, what they were doing, and we knew every foster child that we brought in we knew okay it's coming they're gonna throw hell at us to see if they were really loved to see if they were really loved why do children act out to see 
Do you really love me? You say you love me, but is it conditional or is it unconditional? And humanity right now is acting up. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what movement you want to align yourself to, what group you want to align yourself to, what political party you want to align yourself to, whatever. You and I just want to be loved and held and told that we are okay. And we cannot not be loved. God cannot not love us. Which my friend who told me the story about the foster kids also told me, God cannot not love us because God is love. And if he ceased to love, he would cease to be God. And us as a part of God, cannot not not want to be loved. <laughs> we all want to be loved. We all want to be held. Not in the surface, we might not. We don't want to, don't touch me, get off me. But that's only because we have such deep wounds from the past that we haven't dealt with them. Because at the end of the day, if we really were soft and vulnerable and had the courage to drop our armor, we would say, yeah, I'm tired. I'm tired just want to be held. I just want to be loved. I just want to be told I'm okay. I don't want to keep working for a paycheck and never having enough. I, I don't want to keep trying to not sin and always feeling like, oh, you got to confess your sins. Oh, you got to, you got to, you know, you're going to be, no. No. Because you cannot not be loved. And anyone listening, I know what the scriptures say. I know what the verses say, but those do not supersede. But God is love and God is light. And in him, there's no darkness at all. And if we come from God of love and light, then our true essence is also love and light. And the darkness and the shadows that we experience are only from the pain. That is a gift and a road sign to say, look here. Look here, heal me, bring more love, more light within. And the only way to do that is to detach from all these forms, religion, politics, sports, media, all these forms that take you without, even family structures, and to detach and do the inner work within. And that is my blessing, hope, prayer and desire for each and every one of you, wherever you're listening around the world, in Australia, in Sweden, in Switzerland, in Peru, all over the United States, Cambodia. I know I see where you guys are listening in Germany and France and Spain. My deepest desire is that you finally wake up to who you truly are, which is love and light. But the only way to experience that, remember a man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. So the, my, the only way to experience the love and light that you truly are is to go within, face all those things that you're most afraid of facing, looking at those scary, dirty moments, even the things that you have memory gaps of, ask for them to be reclaimed, that which you need to heal. 
and speak out loud from the depths of your soul. Speak out loud what you wish you would have been told back then, what you want to tell yourself now, what you want to say to the person making you feel dirty, small, shame, weak, scared. Speak and utter forth, my brothers and sisters, my dear family, you can be free the moment you detach from the system of fear, stand in love, stand in light, and declare from the depths of your soul what you wished you always could have said. And when you free yourself, when you heal yourself, when you liberate yourself, you create permission for others to do the same. We are seeing violence like never before on the streets of the United States of America. Well, since the Civil War, I'll say that. And yet, everyone wants to talk about revolution, but they don't want to talk about Gandhi's revolution, the silent revolution, which overthrew the greatest political power and military power in the world at the time without one act of violence. Why? Because Gandhi knew and Gandhi taught that the work is within. And when you change, they change. When you heal, they heal. Be the change you want to see by doing the inner work. Don't talk and utter out what they need to do. You do. That's why I tell Christians, don't pray for, don't pray for anyone else what you're not willing to pray for yourself. At the exact same time, God, change them. Change me. God, heal them. Heal me. God, do this. Do it for me. What we would not do to all, we should not do to any. And what we do not do for ourselves, we cannot do for any. So brothers and sisters, I hope this touches, speaks to, blesses, resonates, or connects some dots for you. I felt called for this message today. Um, this will be a nice segue into the next podcast with Chris O'Brien from Come Out Better, where we talk about a couple of the things that I mentioned here, but we go way deeper and it is beautiful. And I honor each and every one of you. I love each and every one of you. I honor you. I know you, even though we've never met, I bless you fully. You never deserved pain. You never deserved to be felt to made, to be made small, but know that you chose that to overcome that so that when you stand in your power, you can declare there is nothing that cannot be overcome. Let me show you the way. Love and light, brothers and sisters, love and light. I love each and every one of you. Thank you. I am Lucas Mack. This is the Golden Rule Revolution. Thank you for watching. And I will talk to you on the next episode. Thank you, brothers and sisters, for listening. For support in your journey, go to my website, lucasmack.com. Thank you.